BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Check, 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 check. Hey y'all, and welcome back to In Killing Color. This is episode number 37, and today is going to be a difficult episode. So I'm going to give you a trigger warning early. If you do not like hearing things about um, abortion, babies, un- being unalived, and things like that, this is definitely probably not the episode for you. So I'm just letting you know that early. So don't say I didn't tell you. So today, we're going to talk about a man named Dr. Kermit Gosnell and his house of horrors, seemingly. So I'm sure a lot of people may not know about that, but by the end of this episode, you will definitely know. Let's get to it. These are their stories. Okay, so in the state of Pennsylvania and in majority of these states, a lot of doctors will not perform abortions after the 20th week, many for health reasons and other for moral reasons. But, and you know, with all these things we've been having going on, shit at this point, it's like after six weeks. So now it's like, girl, who knows? But we definitely not about to get into that. So usually after the 24th week, back in 2009, 2010, abortions were technically illegal. But there was a doctor in Philadelphia, and his name was Dr. Kermit Gosnell, and he reportedly did mostly first and second trimester abortions. But his clinic that he started came into some bad press because he started getting a certain type of client in his office. He started getting a lot of people who could not or could not, would not get an abortion in time for them to reach the cutoff date. So a lot of people started to come to him after those dates. Now, at that point, it was also a thing where it was a certain type of person. So it was people who were young, people who were um, maybe like illegally here from somewhere else or something like that. So that's what his practice ended up becoming. And he became the go-to doctor for late-term abortions. Now, initially, you heard me say when I say late, I mean like 24, something like that. But 
he often did abortions up to dun 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 30 weeks let me i pause for the dramatic effect 30 weeks okay so you know where i'm going with this story so i'm giving you a chance now if you don't want to hear it move on because this is about to get rough all right so dr gosnell he is a was a physician and proportion about proportion i'm sorry y'all abortion provider who had a clinic that he started in philadelphia he was born on February the 9th, 1941 in Philadelphia, and he was the only child of a gas station operator and a government clerk. He was a student at the city central high school, and then he graduated from there in 1959. He then went on to study psychology at Dickinson College before going to Jefferson Medical College, where he got his medical degree in 1966. He was then certified by the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology in 1982. Now, throughout his Many years of medical practice, he spent decades practicing medicine among the poor, and he also opened a location called the Mantua Halfway House, which was a rehab clinic for drug addicts in that particular neighborhood. And that's going to also play a big part in all of this. So I did say it was a rehab center. And they also provided aid to teenagers, which is another key point in this. So remember that. So early on in the 60s and the 70s, he was an early early like proponent for abortion rights around that time uh, he went to New York for a little bit and then he came back and then when he came back that's when he opened up his abortion clinic on 3801 Lancaster Avenue in Mantua he told the Philadelphia Inquirer back in October of 1972 that quote as a physician I am very concerned about the sanctity of life but it is for this precise reason that I provide abortions for women who want and need them now, Mr. says, concerned about the sanctity of life. Kermit, no the fuck you were not. You were not concerned about anything at this point but your coin. And we're going to get into it and you're going to see why I say that. So around that time, he started doing some abortions, but they were actually on TV. And these were second trimester abortions. So it was a new experimental process called supercoil now the coils were um, inserted into the uterus where they caused the irritation leading to the expulsion of the fetus however there was lots of complications and this when he decided to just kind of stop doing that particular procedure back in 1972 he was also a, said to be a very respected man in his community and he also was a finalist for the junior chamber of commerce commerce's young philadelphian of the year because he started that um, Mantua halfway house and he was very much helping everybody when they really needed help. And like I said a little bit ago, he was definitely well known for providing abortions to poor minority and immigrant women. They said that he was charging between $1,600 and $3,000 for each late term abortion. Now when you, uh, let me, I'll get back to that. They're saying that he made between $10,000 and $15,000 per day doing these late-term abortions. P Somebody bring out the calculator and calculate these maths to about how many abortions he was doing per day to make ten to fifteen grand. Okay? So alongside all of these things that he was doing, of course, there was a shit ton of lawsuits and complaints from people because something was bound to go wrong because... That's what happens. 
It was said that he had over 46 known lawsuits throughout his whole career. And it's just like 46, but yet and still you continue to do these things. Now, um, some of my listeners may not be well versed in what a late term abortion is based on just like the little definition I gave you earlier. So basically, when you have a late term abortion, you basically induce labor, put these women in labor and they birth their baby. The baby is alive, breathing, crying, squirming, and the baby is a live baby. So usually by like 20, 24 weeks, um, if the babies were like premature, they could probably live due to like in the hospital or getting appropriate, appropriate medical care. But the location where Gosnell owned, which was called the Women's Medical Society, they wasn't about none of that shit. Gosnell had a simple solution for these unwanted babies he delivered. He killed them. He didn't call it that. He said it was called ensuring fetal demise. The way that he ensured this fetal demise was by sticking scissors in the back of the baby's neck and cutting its spinal cord. He called it snipping. And basically what that is, is beheading. So he was beheading these little bitty small babies for the coin. Now, over the years, they're saying there was hundreds and hundreds of snippings. Now, sometimes if Dr. Gosnell was not available, the snipping was done by one of his fake doctors or one of the fucking administrative staffs. And everybody at the hospital was fully aware of that. They were fully aware that people were providing these snippings that were not qualified to even be doing this at all. And it seemed like everybody that worked there just kind of kept it like hush hush like well, they acted like it wasn't a big deal. They acted like it wasn't literal murder. But if the child is coming out of the body and then you unalive it, one plus one is two, that's murder. Okay? Now, there was a few cases that got a little bit of attention, but most of the acts that he had, they couldn't be prosecuted at any point because he destroyed all the files that showed who and where and what. So there was no documentation on any of the things that he had done. Now, there was this one. I have a couple of options, but I'm just going to talk about one right now. There was one. They called him Baby Boy A. He had a, the little baby was a 17, had a 17 year old mom and she was almost 30 weeks pregnant which is seven and a half months pregnant. Just <laughs> seven and a half months pregnant. She was due in like four weeks. She got there. They induced the labor. An employee estimated the baby's weight was almost six pounds. Six pounds. He was breathing and moving when Dr. Gosnell severed his spine, put the baby in a plastic shoebox, and put it in the basement it was said that the doctor then joked because the baby was so big and developed that he could walk me to the bus stop there was another baby boy b whose whole body was found in the clinic frozen in a one gallon spring water bottle and that baby was at least 28 weeks old there was another baby they called baby boy c the baby was breathing and moving and just being a little baby for 20 minutes. 
before an assistant came in, cut the spinal cord, and just did away with the baby. And to be quite honest, from what I read, that wasn't even the worst of the cases. That was just, for them, an everyday thing. Imagine getting up, going to work, and know that you're going to, you're not, like, I'm not, I, I'm, look, this is my fucking show. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm very much pro-choice. You have a choice. You can do this or you can't. I'm not going to be mad at you for doing it. And I'm not going to feel no type of way because you didn't want to do it. You do what you want to do. This your body. Do whatever you want to do. But what they were doing, <laughs> that that's giving legal murder, sounds like. But whatever. So this went on for years and years and years and years and years. So it all culminated on February the 18th of 2010. The FBI raided the Women's Medical Society and they got there around 8.30 p.m. Now, when they walked in the door, the reason they were actually going there was not because of the abortions and late-term abortions. It was because they thought that they were running a pill mill out of that place, which they actually were, but we'll get into that later. So the police go in and they try to find the evidence about the pills, about the selling illegal drugs and things like that. But when they walked in the door, they was like, eh, hold on, something ain't right up in here. They walked in and just think about if you're at like a gas station at a rest stop. They walked in. There was blood on the floor, pee and urine and shit. You could just smell it. And there was a goddamn cat with fleas walking through the facility like, doop, 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 doop. I can do what I want to do because I'm a cat walking around in an abortion clinic. Huh? A cat? And not only was the cat walking around doing whatever he wanted to fucking do, there was women scheduled for abortions that were sitting in the waiting room or the recovery room in dirty chairs and blood-stained blankets and shit like that. Now, if you recall, I did say 8.30 p.m. So these people was performing abortions all day and all fucking night. 8.30 p.m.? Child, you supposed to be at the house recovering or whatever at this point, not sitting in the waiting room moaning and crying on with a blood blanket on your lap. So then the police got the public health officials to come by and they came and inspected the surgery rooms where the <sighs> abortions took place. They said that the instruments were not sterile. The equipment was rusty and outdated and the oxygen equipment literally had dust on it and it had not been inspected in years. And this was a part that was absolutely disgusting. So the same suction tube that they used for abortions was indeed the same tube that they used to assist if someone needed breathing assistance. There was no functioning resuscitation or monitoring equipment except for a blood pressure cuff. So you mean to tell me the same tube that they're using to remove said baby also in turn was set to be put in their mouth to aid in breathing. But I, 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 mm -mm, I, I cannot. And while they were looking some more, they also went down and they said they found fetal remains just randomly stored throughout the clinic. The remains. They had them in bags, milk jugs, orange juice cartons, and even in fucking cat food containers. 
Y'all, these are babies. Regardless to whether or not the parent needed, wanted, could have, could not have, whatever, whatever. There is a process. There is a way to dispose of fetal remains. And inside a goddamn milk carton ain't it. And it just was in the refrigerator. How do I know that? Because they got pictures and I saw them. So if y'all want to see them, I'll post them. But if you don't, don't look. Because you're not you're just going to see the milk carton. But knowing what's inside the milk carton is what makes it super duper duper morbid. Like, ugh. ugh. So now the unsanitary conditions of the women's clinic was just the beginning the tip of the iceberg for the whole shit there was people that worked there that said that there was one woman who was left lying in place for hours after the doctor tore her cervix and her colon while trying unsuccessfully mind you to extract the fetus there was another patient who was 19 years old that was held for several hours after Gosnell punctured her uterus as a result, she fell into shock from blood loss and she had to have a hysterectomy at 19. There was another girl who went into convulsions during an abortion, fell off the procedure table, hit her head on the floor, and the doctor was like, nah, we're not calling in people because then they're going to have to come in here and see and we're not going to do that. So they didn't even call the people. They didn't even call the people. So people were probably like, hey, you know, mm, this place was open for a long time for the 70s and this is 2010 so there was reports they're saying that the state had actually failed to visit and inspect that hospital from 1993 to 2009 <laughs> so you mean to tell me that it has been 17 years since that abortion clinic had been inspected by anybody it's fully giving we don't give a shit because we know what type of people they service and we don't give a fuck what happens to them is what that sounds like to me because all he was doing was cashing out pop pop cash 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 and these kids women were suffering and these babies is in walmart bags down in the basement so now we just talked about the raid but the raid was after like like i said was like after a huge investigation by the dea never mind anybody on the medical board, they were going there because like I said, they thought that they were providing them with like pills. But the fact of the matter is they were from June, 2008 to February 18th of 2010. He basically was writing and dispensing fraudulent prescriptions for pills to people so they could do whatever they wanted to do. So basically they was providing like, Oxycontin, Percocet, and Xanax, sometimes Promethazine and Codeine and things like that. They're saying that initially you would have to pay like $115 for the pills, but then after it was like $150. And then the staff would go off and write more prescriptions, and they filled over 2,300 prescriptions at pharmacies in January of 2010. They have said that they distributed more than 500,000 pills of Oxycodone. 400,000 pills of, I think it's called Alprazolam, and more than 19,000 ounces of codeine. <laughs> huh? So they going in there to bust up medicine and they find 
that this is actually a butcher shop for women. And when they figured that out, they also came upon the suspicious death of one of his patients. Her name was Karnamaya Mangar. She was a 41-year-old refugee from Bhutan. And in 2009, she died under the care of Dr. Gosnell. Nobody ever said anything about it. Nobody ever did anything. I, child, I don't know. Whew. What they're saying they did and what they would do before the doctor even came in the building, they would give them medication or sedation medication before he even got there. They would never tell you how much they gave. They didn't tell you how much they measured. They just gave them the shit. And once the labor began, they took the kid, the person, put the patient on the toilet. After the person gave birth to said baby in the toilet, they took the baby out of the toilet, snipped it, put it in a bag, carton, whatever, and did away with it. Now, all of this is done by actual unlicensed staff. And it says that once they were looking through the location, there was many, many, many of the medication bottles that were actually expired. The doctor himself admitted to there was at least 10 to 20% of the medicine in that location was older than 24 weeks past the legal limit. Kermit, <laughs> what was you doing? Just taking the medication and keeping it and just being like, girl, it get used when it get used. We just gonna keep this money because we got to get this new property. Feel me? What? <laughs> the investigators also found a row of jars containing just the severed feet of the fetuses. Why? Why do you have jars of feet? <laughs> this, <laughs> the whole time I was reading this and doing the research, I literally had like the explosion head emoji because I cannot. Now, I mentioned earlier something about a fetus that was found that was 19 weeks. That was actually the 19-week-old fetus of the lady that I just spoke about, Miss Mongar, that baby was fully intact all the way head to top, head to feet, and it was in a freezer. Overall, there, there was remains of 45 fetuses that was recovered. And they said that at least two of them, perhaps three, had been viable. So those babies could have made it and maybe got adopted out into a home or somewhere. So once the police and everybody got into that, guess what? Uh, Kermit's practice license was immediately revoked, of course. So I said this happened in February of 2010. He didn't get actually arrested until January 19th of 2011. He was then charged with eight counts of murder. His wife and eight other suspects were also arrested in connection to this case. There was a 23 count indictment between him and his staff and it was just like it was all over the place now here's the part that actually like made me cackle out loud when i read it and it was highly inappropriate but this is what it was kermit's lawyer said that everybody's made him to be the butcher this and butcher that all of these things without going to trial without even being exposed to the public and everybody's found him guilty. That's not right. 
he accused the government of being of it being a government lynching and he also said that this is a target elitist and racist prosecution of a doctor who's done nothing but give back to the poor and wet people of philadelphia why in the motherfuck did you fix your mouth to say that <laughs> he is a butcher he is a murderer he is not helping he's destroying he's ruining he's not doing what the fuck he's supposed to be doing because he's out here unaliving these babies and killing their mamas and everything too what you mean make that don't make no damn sense at all no sense so then during the thing, Kermit's like, oh, my God, I'm so very close to being dis destitute. I don't have any money, blah, blah, blah. However, public property records shows that him and his wife own at least 17 properties in four states, including a million dollar house in New Jersey. So, Kermit, go ahead and stop. Stop the lies. Why you ahead? Stop. Now, we've gone over a lot of things that the good doctor has done, but he's also done some things that, outside of being illegal, was just absolutely fucking disgusting. So there was a girl, she was 15 years old. This was in 1998. She said she got there, was gonna get the abortion, and she told the doctor, once she got in there, she was like, hey, I think, I, I think I'm gonna change my mind. She says that he got upset, ripped off her clothes, and forcibly restrained her. She regained consciousness 12 hours later at her aunt's house. And now she has no baby. There was another woman that was 28 years old and she was five months pregnant in 2001. She described that she had some pain four days after the abortion and said that she could barely walk. She said that she went back to the clinic because she was having some pain. They had an ultrasound and it showed that there were still fetal remains inside of her unit. And then... She said that he suctioned those things out without any anesthesia. And he also used to give massive abortions to people, young girls, without their parents' permission. If they had the coin, he was going to do it. Kermit, I just... Child, you was, you was doing way too much. A lot. Now, back to the trial... Dr. Gosnell was charged with seven counts of first-degree murder and one count of third-degree murder, as well as infanticide, five counts of abusing a corpse, multiple counts of conspiracy, criminal solicitation, and violation of the state law that forbids abortions after 24 weeks of pregnancy. The non-murder charges, including 24 counts of violating the Abortion Act, 227 counts of violating the 24-hour waiting period requirement, and... Do, 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 do. Racketeering. So not only was he out here murdering, but he done got a Rico charge too. <laughs> Kermit. Now you know your gas station attendant daddy did not give up his life for this. Okay? So let's just get into what everybody, what everybody got at the end of the day. Because they gonna have to pay for the shit that they did. Pearl, which was Kermit's wife, she was charged with giving the abortions for late term conspiracy and participating in a corrupt organization. She pled guilty to these charges. She got seven to 23 months in prison. Seven to 23 months, y'all. Eileen O'Neill of Phoenixville, she was convicted of conspiracy charges and theft by deception. 
It doesn't say how much time she got. Stephen Massoff was a medical school graduate who did not have a license, but he was working there. He got charged with two counts of third degree murder for the deaths of two babies who had been born alive as well. Karima Cross, who also testified to the state that she had seen at least 10 babies breathe after being aborted who were killed. She pled guilty to federal drug charges for the over distribution and improper distribution of medicine. Adrian Motion pled guilty to third degree murder. She admitted the cutting the necks of 10 babies and to racketeering charges. She was sentenced to 11 and a half to 23 months in prison. Lydia Williams was convicted of two counts of third degree murder and she was sentenced to five to 10 years for her crime. Sherry West was convicted of third degree murder and other charges, having been the one to administer the overdose that actually killed the 41 year old lady from Bhutan. She was sentenced to five to 10 years in prison. So on May the 13th of 2013, two years after the trial started, the jury reported that they were deadlocked on two different counts. After returning to the deliberations, the jury then convicted him of three counts of murder, one count of involuntary manslaughter, and over 200 lesser counts, including infanticide and racketeering. He was found guilty on only one count of murder, and those murder charges were convicted were considering to those babies, which was baby A, baby C, and baby D, the ones that I talked about earlier. So then the next day, on May 14th of 2013, he got a deal with the prosecutors in which he agreed to relieve and like appeal all his rights and blah, blah, blah. He then, after that deal, prosecutors were able to sentence him to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And then the next day, he got three life sentences. So it's obviously he's never getting out. He was already old anyway, but guess what? He's not going to get out. So in the end, this isn't just a story about babies having their heads severed. This is also a story about a place where women were sent to the bathroom to give birth to their baby. It's a story about where the doctors casually spread gonorrhea and chlamydia to women because they were reusing cheap and bullshit ass equipment that wasn't sterile and it had fucking dust on it. This is a story about where the office had workers that were playing games and they were just figuring out, they were just gonna give whatever type of administration, like medicine they wanted to. They just did whatever they wanted to do. So one would come to wonder why the fuck we ain't heard about this? Because I kind of feel like if you haven't, you're not in the medical industry or know somebody, you would have never known this. And guess what? I ain't know nothing about this. Nothing. I've heard nothing about this. This man killed hundreds of babies. Hundreds of babies. Gave women hysterectomies. All this shit. And he was selling mad drugs. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this as any type of way I fucking feel like it. Had this have been a white doctor... I'm telling you now, we would still be talking about this shit every day. His case would be, oh, we're going to refer back to the city of Philadelphia versus Dr. Dystopia or whatever. Like we would still be talking about this to this day because they're going to harp on this. Oh, these innocent white babies, these innocent people. I just feel like they're not talking about it because of where it was located and the demographic that he was providing service to. 
like it don't like it I don't give a fuck that's what I said now he in jail for a decade but what about the what about these babies all these babies it's ridiculous Kermit obviously you got what you deserve but the rest of the people in them hospitals and that that staff y'all didn't get what y'all deserve y'all deserve just as much time because y'all was playing games too y'all was still doing the same shit and you still got it fucked up and y'all should have did more than that probation 23 months probation girl no go to jail all y'all need to be in the jail playing on these black ladies tops that come to you because they were in need playing on these foreign people's tops because they came to you because they were in need and y'all played them but let it have been somebody else girl it would have been whole backstories about all these people and you know it but that's why we're here for in killing color so we can talk about these things so y'all can know what's going on because they don't want us to know this because i know damn sure they didn't want us to know nothing about this did they no so that is it that is the case of the house of horrors there's actually a documentary about this on tv and it's called 3801 lancaster avenue when you want if you want take some time go watch it you'll see exactly what i'm saying i said the same exact shit they said surprisingly there was a documentary on it surprisingly but make sure y'all follow me on all social media at in killing color everywhere Make sure you listen to my show on Dystopia or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Go into the show notes. You can see where you can follow me everywhere. You can join my Discord server and you can send me emails. You can complain. You can give me praise. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do. But as long as you listen, that's all I'm here for. Okay? So I'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.